Have you experienced the awesome power of the Panasonic Real 3DO system? Obviously. Presenting 3DO, the most advanced home gaming system in the universe. It's time to put away your toys. 3DO from Panasonic, Gold Star, and Creative Labs. A new low price and free games. Mind graphics of Panasonic Real 3DO. 3DO. experience the retrospective podcast about the panasonic 3do interactive multiplayer system and the company behind it the 3do company for this episode we're going to be talking about the various different hardware incarnations of the 3do system and for this episode i have another guest if you'd like to introduce yourself hi yeah my name's casey i'm from desert level gaming uh you can find us at uh, twitch.tv slash desert level gaming uh, youtube.com slash desert level gaming and also host of the podcast gaming in the desert Nice. So how did you uh, discover the 3DO? Well, uh, so my my uh, coming to knowledge of the 3DO was, was uh, through the Sega CD, actually. So uh, I am an old school gamer. I started with, uh, Super Ni- or with a Nintendo Entertainment System, then Sega Genesis, Super Nintendo. Uh, but once I saw that full motion video games were a thing, uh, you know, that... Uh, realism was kind of brought to the table. And this was before, you know, the advanced polygons and, and everything that the, uh, you know, that we'd come to know through the PlayStation variants and the Xbox. But uh, I was very much drawn to the, the realism and that uh, interactive movie type, uh, type video game experience. So nice. the Sega CD was really cool for me, but the graphics were super grainy. You know, we were still kind of on a lower spec hardware um, they weren't able to to render out those graphics at a, at a quality that was, I mean, almost unplayable. Um, so when I found out about the 3DO and and your uh, your intro commercial was one of those things that was like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is the real deal. This is something that's going to be like reality. And so I had to have one. But of course, that uh, $700 price tag was quite yes. uh, unattainable. And, you know, we were a lower middle class family. Um, my, my parents were split at the time. So, um, my dad, uh, bless him had always fueled my video game hobby. And, uh, he put in, I know an ungodly amount of, uh, overtime, but, uh, was able to get me one for Christmas, but, uh, it was the gold star variant because at the time, um, and also admittedly coming in late to the game and the three DOs life, uh, you know, it was, it was already on deep discount. So we were, we were able to attain one. So all of my full motion video game dreams were about to come true. Everything from the American laser games to the, uh, to the digital pictures games, you know, all those Tom Zito games. I I loved all of that stuff. And I still do to this day, I still play those. Um, So uh, I did, uh, I did have kind of a storied uh, uh, experience with the 3DO, especially because having the gold star variant as, as we'll get into, we start talking a little bit more about hardware. Um, I had some issues with it, so um, I'll, I'll stop right there, and, uh, and and we could talk a little bit more and, and kind of work our way into the topic. Excellent. So I'd said in previous episodes I didn't grow up with the 3DO. I discovered it much later on, so it's actually really cool to have someone who actually grew up with its perspective on the system because I'm, I'm actually really fascinated. This podcast is both, like in a lot of ways, a learning experience for myself, but I also want to educate certain guests. Um, at the same time. So this one's actually pretty cool because it's actually me learning about a lot of things at the same time. 
So I guess like going into it now, like to start with the uh, different hardware variations, um, as I stated in the previous episode, the, the big thing about the 3DO was it wasn't so much a console as much as it was an audio standard. And the whole idea was it was kind of going to be like VHS or like DVD or Blu-ray like we have now, where it was going to, the whole idea was the company, 3DO company, designed the overall specs for the system. And then they would sell the rights to different companies to make their own version of the hardware. Meanwhile, they would license the games for, a, at the time, very low fee compared to its competitors. The problem was, though, because 3DO made all their money off the games, Pan companies like Panasonic and Gold Star in particular, the only way they would make any money off this was they had to sell their system basically for what it was worth. And for Panasonic in particular, that was a $700 price tag at launch, which was insane then and even now it's like 1200 which is pretty crazy yeah like no definitely um and, and and on top of that the the specs of the system were so advanced for the time and the chipset was was super new that there were a lot of developers that didn't even know how to develop for this system and that's what made it such a such a hard thing um it was uh it, it was definitely very advanced for its time and and we could go down the specs in a little bit but that was a uh, that was just a little little note I wanted to throw in because it was, uh, I mean, for the time it was it was cutting edge. And I know in your okay. last episode you talked about it being, uh, you know, Time Magazine's uh, uh, product, product of the year. year for I think that was 1993 when it came out. But mm -hmm. yeah, that, it's it's uh, <laughs> it was a marvel. What's crazy too is at the time I think the only real 3D we had was besides like the arcade space, the only real 3D consoles I think were like the Super Super FX chip and maybe I think the Sega Virtual Processor was out by this point, which was yeah, still very. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead, kid. Um, I was going to say that was still very early, like rudimentary 3D. Like they were just getting off the ground. Like the 3DO was the first. I want to say it was the first console that was really out the gate, like capable of 3D. Yeah, it was. Um, so. Being that it was a it was a true thirty two bit uh, risk based CPU, uh, it actually was able to to uh, do those three D graphics for real. Whereas with some of the Super FX and and uh, some of the earlier system stuff, it was a little I don't want to say trickery, but it was it was more like simulated three D than actual mm -hmm. true three D. And that's where I made the comment about it being very difficult to to uh, develop for because developers up until that point had always been in, in 2D mode, right? So you, whether side-scrolling or just getting into kind of that simulated 3D with some of the earlier games like, you know, Wolfenstein, Doom, some of those first-person shooters, uh, thinking in the third dimension was was a very difficult stretch for, for a lot of these companies. And also consider a lot of these companies, um, and, and I'll try not to, I'll try to stay off of, uh, of software for, for, another, uh, for another time, but um, a lot of these guys were just, uh, they were coming in from really small uh, developers going to newer, smaller, lesser known at the time, but, you know, now big developers. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it was, it was a big stretch. It was. And like for the time too, like I, the overall like idea of like what to do with all this space was still very like new to a lot of these developers. Like going back to how you'd mentioned the Sega CD. One of the big reasons why full motion video was such a huge thing at the time was because developers just didn't know what to do with all that extra space the CD offered them. So yeah. it, for the majority of the games, their their solution was video and like um, CD quality audio, which I mean, I, I agree with you on a lot of cases. I do love those like full motion video games because I think they're like in that like so bad it's good kind of like area. Yes, absolutely. Like they're very entertaining in like hindsight. 
Um, I do get I do get a lot of people's like um, dislike for them though, because a lot of them literally are just watching movies, pretty much. Oh yeah. And like the best Sega CD games in a lot of ways were like the working designs RPGs or like the side-scrolling platformers that you'd find every now and then. Mm-hmm. Problem is though, all those games are absurdly expensive these days. This is true. Yeah, this is definitely true. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it it was such a strange time in gaming, and and I mean, just remember being there. It was like one we didn't have internet, so you know, going to you know, going to a, a major you know video game editor outlet like what we know today uh, was not it wasn't available back then. I had to go to my local uh, grocery store while my mom was shopping for for groceries and, and check out the magazines. You know, game game. Uh, what was it GameSpot or or I can't even remember them the the magazines I, I still got a box full of them in the in the uh, closet but those are the only way I, I I got to find out about games like Way of the Warrior and uh, you know Wing Commander and and some of these other these other uh, I'll say great because they were great to me but you know some of these games that that weren't really highly regarded at the end of the day true. Although the 3DO was the the ironically the 3DO was actually the debuting like console for a lot of game series that are still around to this day, which is pretty nuts. Oh yeah, I mean Need for Speed's one of my one of my favorite. I mean that's how I I was introduced to Need to Need for Speed, mm-hmm. and it's funny because a lot of uh, a lot of kids, you know, later on when I was in my high school days, it was Need for Speed Underground and and um, and some of those games, and it was like oh I've been playing Need for Speed for a long time. So yeah, it's was, it's was, it was cool. It's cool. one of my favorite versions of Road Rash as well. Oh, 100%. Yeah, the best version of Road Rash. Absolutely. I, I, I mean, speaking of full motion video, all the cutscenes, the Soundgarden intro. Soundgarden. <laughs> oh man, you almost made me. You almost made me bust out in song, uh, breaking out of my rusty cage. I don't want to yeah. get us in trouble though with copyright. So I'll, I'll leave my yes. terrible singing to another episode. <laughs> So I guess like to start off, um, we should probably start with the original 3DO, which was the uh, the Panasonic FZ1 model, which is yeah. kind of in a lot of ways seen as the definitive 3DO. And it's usually the one that like appears in the most media um, involving the 3DO. And that's the one I always wanted. So I I love the design. I always call it the castle 3DO because it looks like those those four pillars on the end of it are, are like these uh, the big pillars of a castle. Uh, I remember when I first started lusting after the 3DO going to Universal Studios Hollywood and they had a Panasonic store way oh, really? back then and they had kiosks with 3DO and I just, it, my, my parents had to peel me away from that place. It was so cool. Uh, but yeah, that's the first time I actually laid eyes on it in, in, uh, in the wild and I absolutely had to have one. But uh, the... Uh, the Panasonic version is always regarded as the the highest quality one. So you've got the FZ one that was the first one that was kind of the pioneer, and then and then you had the uh, the Gold Star. And some of the other ones that, that we'll get into. Now, um, before we get into the Gold Star, though, I wanted yeah. to mention the Panasonic FZ one. While it's considered the highest like quality one, it does have some odd quirks to it that have made it a little. The problem with it is it's super high quality, but it's also very there it's very hard to find a functioning one these days because yeah no 100 percent. good because it had that um so it it was one of the first really early systems to have a front loading like automated tray which at the time was really cool nowadays 
I mean, nowadays we have those like suction things, which is even more complicated, but um, uh, the tray was pretty powerful and it's actually really aggressively like aggressive when you open it up because the thing like shoots out and like shoots back in <laughs> and I'm like, geez, um, they are very prone to failing though. Cause they have those old rubber bands that like wear out after a while. Um, another odd quirk about the system is the, the, I think the gold star was the same. The, uh, the power cord was like hardwired into it. Yes. Yes. And, and honestly, that was one of my favorite features of it because you never lose uh, the cord. I, yeah. Well, as I would learn to, to, to hate in later generations, that giant break, especially yes. with like the Xboxes. And another fun, fascinating thing about it is it doesn't have like proprietary, uh, audio and video imports. All the imports are just like standard based ones that you just attach into the back. Like it has the red, white, and yellows and S video, like just built right into the back that you can use any like off the shelf cord, which I think had, was a lot to do with the whole like VHS mentality. At the mm -hmm. time, they were going for that whole, like, you didn't need a special anything. You could just plug and play, essentially. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, the, and that was great, too. And and I was so happy I didn't have to use the uh, the dreaded RF connection yeah. like I was so used to with the uh, previous generations. S-Video um, was pretty cool at the time, too, oh, just having yeah. S-Video built right in. S-Video um, was the greatest. It was like, oh, my gosh, this quality. So, I mean, before we had HD, right? But, yeah. you know, my 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 CRT TV, that was, you know, we had very old television sets. In fact, uh, we were one of those families that um, stacked television sets on top of the television sets. Like one would die and that would become the entertainment center. We put a, another television set over it, you know, whichever one was working at the time. Um, and I feel like, like everybody did, my grandparents, my parents, I mean, I did that while I was in college, so. <laughs> That's funny. Another odd quirk, though, about the uh, the FC1, and this is probably the one downside I'd say to it, it doesn't have a built-in memory manager for its built-in uh, memory, which is very peculiar for the time. I guess it was, like, the first real, one of the first systems with built-in memory. I believe the Sega CD also had built-in memory, but you could, like, access it through the... Uh, menu at the time yeah i'm trying to remember what if if you let's see if you did a specific input on the startup for the for the sega cd it would take you to a menu um i don't believe that was the case with the 3do um and in fact um the 3do i, I believe you needed to get like this there was like a memory manager cd that you could buy separately yeah, and, and I was at the time definitely not uh, in tune with those those things, so I, I wasn't aware of, of any of uh, any of those things that I could buy. Um, I do know that there were supposed there were a lot of planned peripherals for these that never really quite made it to fruition, um, specific to the RAM. Uh, but uh, I, I think a lot of these things were kind of pie in the sky, and it was a great idea to to uh, to build, but nothing ever came of it. Um, mm. you know, and then, and then, you know, specifically, you know, when, when we start talking about, uh, the M2, um, you know, it's, it's, gosh, it, it's just, it's sad. Like it's mm. sad, such a, con a console that was so ahead of its time. Uh, it had all of the things that you would kind of check off the boxes to like, what would make a killer, a killer system that everybody would want to buy, um, and, and watch it fail so colossally. It's, it's, I mean, it's, that's like borderline Shakespearean tragedy as far as the video game scape is concerned. But, you know, I, I had <laughs> mentioned, still talking yeah. about it. I love it still. Yeah. I had mentioned when I was talking to Josh in the previous episode that um, 
in a lot of ways, the PlayStation ended up being everything the 3DO wanted to be as a video game console, which is really sad in hindsight. Oh, man. Um, before we oh, move on to the... Go- oh, sorry. Yeah, I'll, I'll just share one quick one quick sad story when I, when I kind of felt like that nail in the coffin happened with the 3DO. I was walking through a Sears and I saw a PlayStation kiosk and it was playing Rebel Assault. And I remember I just got Rebel Assault and I thought it looked kind of good. Then I saw on the PlayStation, I was like, oh my gosh, this game looks so much better. Oh yeah. What is this? I got to buy another system. And that uh, that's also, I kind of, when I think I woke up to like the whole console war thing too, because mm-hmm. before it was just kind of like a Pokemon thing, like catch them all. But uh, now it was like, oh my gosh, now I got to think about this stuff before I make purchases again. Well, not that I bought it because my parents bought it for me, but you know, so getting older, wiser. Yeah. I was going to say though, like the one other weird, interesting thing about before we move on to the gold star was, um, for the Panasonic, the I believe the FC one was the only Panasonic that actually had the uh, the famous uh, 3DO intro with uh, like the space wait. like asteroids going through the sky. Yes, that was the Gold a, Star didn't have that, I believe, right? No, it didn't. That was a big disappointment when I turned on my Gold Star the first time. <laughs> What's funny though is it only does the uh, the asteroid field if um, you don't have a game installed. Like uh, it just goes right into the game if you have a game in there. It's it's weird. It's it's cool, but it's also weird at the same time. It's like primi- prim- primitive primitive uh, screensavers, yeah. In a lot of ways, yeah. Um, but I guess uh, now we'll move on to the Gold Star, which was the second 3DO that was introduced. And uh, I'll let you take the floor because you actually grew up with the thing. Yeah, so I got the Gold Star, and I was just happy to have a 3DO. Um, but you always kind of had that feeling that it was a little bit of an inferior product because, yeah, it was. A, there were a few features that were missing. The thing that I will disagree with the masses on, though, um, and this is highly controversial topic that I'm bringing to the uh, 3DO Experience podcast, is that the controller was inferior to the FZ1s. And I have to disagree because I loved that controller. Um and, and maybe not not for any other reason than it just I just felt it it felt better. The shoulder buttons were a little fatter, uh, but the D pad was a lot larger. And me being the a fighting game was enthusiast, a lot bigger too. Yeah, but being a fighting game enthusiast, I mm-hmm. felt that it was easier to do some of those quarter circle inputs with that with that controller a lot easier. Um, so I still even if I if I already get a, a, a FC ten or an FC one, I think I'd still try to get a Gold Star controller. Um, still the same daisy chain uh, situation as as with all of the other ones. Uh, What's fun was, is you can mix and match them too, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah, that, and and um, I think at one point when I was collecting and I and I uh, acquired a, a gold star, I did get both controllers just so I could say I had a piece of the Panasonic one. <laughs> but uh, nice. yeah, that that was that was really cool. Um, the problem with the with the gold star was that it was plagued with um, quality issues, and um, I've owned two of them. Mm-hmm. So the first one that I owned uh, broke relatively quickly, and it was that uh, that dry, that um, CD tray. Mm-hmm. So that thing that thing popped out just as hard on the Gold Star as it did with the uh, with the Panasonic. Panasonic. I don't know if it was like hydraulic loaded or what, or, or those rubber bands were just super duper tight. But uh, it uh, it failed relatively quickly, and um, I actually. <laughs> Not being in the in the age of the Nintendo or the of the internet, uh, we, we definitely had Nintendo, but uh, not being in the age of the internet, there wasn't a way to like just Google like either how to fix or what to send. So I was 
with on that manual on that back page, like calling that 800 number and like, what do I need to do? And I'm just a kid. Um, so I found out, you know, where to ship it, where to send it. I think it ended up costing um, about 150 bucks to get fixed. And it took, it took months. It took months. I was without the 3 I finally got it back and, and it was great. Um, fast forward many years uh, to where I, I acquired my, my second uh, gold star. And it was like almost right away the uh, the laser failed, and I know like as a whole the three DOs um, typically experience that laser failure. So I ended up buying like three of those lasers just to kind of future proof myself, mm-hmm. um, learn how to swap it in, and then uh, I ended up uh, I ended up selling that three DO as well. So one of these days I'm gonna I'm gonna own the uh, I'll own one of the uh, FC one originals or uh, or or maybe uh, maybe if I can get my hands on some of the the rarer systems we'll probably get into. Um, so the gold star always fascinated me, like, cause it does. My favorite thing about the 3DO is like, they all look so different from each other. Like to the point where like, they're like borderline different, like machines entirely. Oh yeah. Um, the gold star definitely had that BCR look to it. And, and I think gold star being who they were was probably more, um, acclimated to that type of a type of a design. Mm-hmm. Um, now, jumping ahead a little bit to some of some of those that didn't make it, the Samsung also looked kind of VCR yeah. as well. Um, and and I think maybe it was just easier to, to mold plastic that way. That's the only thing I can think of. And, and I'm 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 positive that that's probably what drove the initial cost with the uh, with the FC one was was that for four column design that that was probably just a bear to to uh, create at the time. If you flip one of those things over, you can see that those 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 uh, pillars don't even have feet. They're just no, kind of open, which is kind of kind of strange to me. You know, a $700 system, you might put a little feet cap or some rubber at the bottom or something, but no such luck. What, what's interesting, I guess for like people who don't know, the company Gold Star, they're nowadays known as LG. Yes. Um, to the people who, because... Um, Gold Star is a name that I knew growing up, but like nowadays you'll never see like you'll never see a Gold Star anymore because uh, it's now LG and LG is a company that is very prolific um, these days, and they still kind of have the quality issues that they've had always had, but that's Absolutely. just nitpicking these days. <laughs> Those TVs produce some really good blacks, though. Oh my goodness, I I love I love me an LG C1's good TV. Nice. Um, no no promo, but <laughs> so. I've also heard, I, I'd like uh, your opinion on this. I've also heard the Gold Star had like some compatibility issues with some of the software or is this a um, myth? No, I, I mean, I'm sure, it, I'm sure it does. Um, when, when I had my games, uh, I never really had an issue with any of them. Uh, like the major, you know, the major titles. Now I didn't ever have really any of the obscure games back then. Uh, until I started uh, started collecting, but by the time I started burning lasers, I was so afraid to put a disc in the game in the in the console. I think it's ultimately led me to get rid of it. Was was uh, well, no, there there are other issues too, but um, I was kind of afraid of burning those lasers out because I'm not I'm not that uh, tech savvy when it comes to actually swapping stuff out. Barely trust myself opening up the side of a computer to be honest. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I I never experienced compatibility issues with the software, but uh, I'd, I'd have to read a little bit more into that. Yeah, I've, I've heard that, like, as a, um, 
I've heard that from multiple sources that like I guess the gold stars had some compatibility issues, but I've like I've never actually like found a list that actually like lists these supposed uh, issues. I always th- theorized maybe like the Panasonic release titles, maybe, but th- even then, I think that might be a stretch. How bad would that be if uh, if Crash and Burn, the you know, like the only launch title for the 3DO, didn't work on the Gold Star? <laughs> True. Now. The Gold Star technically came out later, so technically, I, I feel like there might have been more games when it um, released. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, let's see. So the Gold Star, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was uh, it was released about a year later in '94. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, by then, uh, 3DO would have had a pretty healthy lineup of, of games, uh, including you know some of the the more known ones that we were aware of, but then also a lot of the ports of those uh, of those full motion video games that mm-hmm. uh, we all, not a lot of us know and love, but I love. Uh, but yeah, yeah, definitely. What's that? I, they're pretty nostalgic these days, especially like considering they're putting them all on the Switch now, which is pretty cool. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I know we're talking hardware today, but gosh, yes, I, I own every single one of those ports on the Switch now. Nice. And, and on just, PC. <laughs> yeah. it, a little off topic, but it, it still makes me laugh to this day. The, the famous uh, Nintendo Howard Lincoln quote of um, Night Trap will never be on a Nintendo system. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, that, I, that I, last play that, I play that game on my Nintendo Switch and I always quote that, that man. Yeah. It's funny because that's the first time I got to play it because getting a Sega CD copy is so expensive these days. <laughs> I was at a convention actually recently and they I saw a 3DO copy and they wanted like $100 for it. I was like, nope, I'm like, not worth that. Oh my gosh, yeah. No, I know. And and I think there aren't, no. Well, sorry, I, I don't want to, I don't want to drag it off topic too much, but those, oh, all of that history is just so much fun. It's so much fun. No, don't worry about it. Um, so you said you had said earlier when we were first talking that you had a pretty fun gold star story like with your system uh yeah the uh well well the story about it breaking and and uh and then me finding out uh how much it was going to cost to uh to fix well you know my parents had already dumped you know a few hundred dollars i mean they, they got it on deep discount for me but uh uh, by the time it, it it failed they're like yeah no we're not putting any money into that so you're gonna have to you know, you're gonna have to come up with that money on your own. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, a, a lot of uh, a lot of the reason for the title of of, uh, of uh, my my whole persona online is is around the desert, and that's because that's where I grew up and that's where I live. And and honestly, that's where I've had a lot of my most fondest video game memories, including this one, uh, where I actually had to go out into my grandmother's acreage of of backyard space and clear weeds out for like an entire entire summer it felt like um before i had enough money to to send my my gold star in which was uh so that was kind of the fun it, it, the funny story but uh all of the critters and and the the scary you know animals they say you know everything in the desert's trying to kill you but uh <laughs> it's not true but uh, unless you you know you're you're going to town with a rake and a, and a shovel as a as a kid and you discover a you know, rattlesnake or, you know, scorpions or something like that. So yeah, I, I had a pretty harrowing um, experience working for my money to get the gold star fixed. Nice. So uh, to, I guess to close off on the gold star, overall, like, 
like build wise, like I've never actually seen one physically. Like, what would you say, like from like a just like a like feel wise? Like, how did it feel? Like, did it feel like cheap or was it kind of like solid? It was totally solid. In fact, um, and I think this is by you know mostly due to the uh, the power supply being inside of the machine, uh, with you know as we're talking that the the quartz attached to it, uh, it made it definitely feel a lot more substantial. Uh, I do remember it always being uh, very heavy for for a video game console. Uh, because yeah, the Panasonic's pretty heavy. Like it's a yeah, chunky it felt stuff. stout. Yeah, it felt stout. I mean, it, it, even the 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 button push the the. Kind of that tactile feedback you got from the power button uh being that um you know the 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 panis the fc1 had that kind of s- almost rectangular uh, roundish rectangular s- yeah uh, slim button this one had just a full round button and, and it always felt like it had a good uh a good springiness to it same with the reset or the uh the, the disc tray out button it was okay. it was all fine i never had a problem with you know plugging in the controllers or even the uh, daisy chain in the controllers. I, I still think the daisy chain is the funniest thing ever. <laughs> it is. And, and you know, what's funny is, is it was, that was always a selling point when I was like, Oh mom, you know, or dad, can I get this uh, system? You know, I could play with my brother and my cousins and, and you guys, and it could be like this goal. I don't, I don't think I remember a game that had like four or five, six players. Like where they the, do exist. I know that I think, um, Twisted the game show is one of the few. Twisted, okay. That's that's one of the few I want to get like a big like group of people to play at some point because that game is ridiculous. But um, we got to figure out how to do that. Um, what what's funny though is about the daisy chaining. I guess the because it is technically hardware specific. Um, we had mentioned it previously in the last episode, mm-hmm. but uh, because of like the the way daisy chaining is, uh, Josh actually brought this up. Imagine if, like, you're player one and you're pissed off at player two, and you just unplug player two's controller, but at the same time, then you screw over player three, four, and five. Yeah, I remember that. It's it's so true. It's one of those funny designs where it's like, wow, they didn't think this through, but at the same time, it's so fascinating how it works. Oh, yeah. Well, that's how how my brother never beat me in in, uh, in video games. It's just unplug it. And then once he got mad at me and unplugged, um, unplugged his, thinking he was unplugging mine. He's quite a bit younger than me, and uh, ended up accidentally unplugging his controller. He didn't quite understand how that connectivity worked. But yeah, oh, man, I, I got so many fond memories of this thing. That that's that's really fun because like I grew up with a PlayStation at the time, and me and my sister, uh, who's my uh, co-host on my other podcast, uh, she she was the she was the famous con- uh, controller thrower. Like whenever she lost, she chucked the controller. So we still have I have PlayStation One controllers that are just destroyed because they hit the wall oh, so many times oh my gosh you got to put them in a frame and like give it to her for her birthday i gotta see if i still have some of them like these <laughs> things were destroyed edit but, that out uh, so we don't uh, ruin the surprise for her <laughs> I, don't, I don't think she listens to this podcast so i don't have to worry <laughs> but um so i guess uh one final thing i wanted to ask you so the panasonic has one of my favorite audio like uh video like cd players like of any video game console mm-hmm. what did the gold star have it had the same so uh, it was i, the I don't know if it was exactly the same but it had like the uh the audio visualization uh type uh you know i, I always call it screensaver mm-hmm. but uh you could toggle through it so you could have the um a uh, bunch of 3do symbols going in okay. waveform to the music and then if you hit it hit the button again 
it would kind of go psychedelic and start spinning around and then you would be like flying through mm -hmm. like just this psychedelic madness of of just meshed together colors and, and then if you like, hit it again it would become the 3do logo psychedelic yes and okay, it was so it, trippy it, yeah i know it imprint the 3do logo over it and then it'd be kind of spinning yeah okay so that it was, was the best audio player of all time <laughs> it was the best it was identical then okay mm -hmm. so that's good to know because i always that to me that was like my favorite like thing about the 3do was that that music player is just hilarious like there's just something funny about that but at the same time it's so cool like, cause yeah. the like even like looking at the PlayStation, even the PlayStation's like video player wasn't nearly that like crazy for the time. Um, I think the 3DO was like one of the first that really introduced a concept like that. It was, yeah. So the Sega CD also had had a had an audio player as well, but it was just kind of like a, a just a heads up display, yeah, kind of, uh, interface, and it was it was clean and everything, but it wasn't it wasn't that cool. I think the only other one from that era was the Atari Jaguar CD, but like nobody owned one of those. So I kind of want one, but I know, I know those things are as problematic as, as they're, perceived yeah, to be. They're, they're like hard, finding one of those that works is like almost impossible from what I've heard. It's uh yeah, they're, they're pricey. They're pricey. Okay. So now moving on. Um, so then there's the third 3DO, the one that gets kind of overlooked the sanyo yep yeah, which was sanyo i i'm not gonna lie i really want to Sanyo 3do at some point it uh, looks so, so cool it it really does and and again it, it kind of has that that vcr early dvd player look and and uh you know what my favorite part about it is the 3do like logo is like etched into the top of it yeah it just looks clean like the Panasonic, yeah. I think, looks more attractive, but like the Sanyo, there's something about that. I'm like, that thing looks nice. But the problem with the Sanyo, though, for people who don't know, is that was the Japanese 3DO, and it was only released in Japan. Yep. And I believe Sanyo is actually related to Panasonic, like they're like sister companies. Um, you know, I, I don't know about that. I just, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think it's the best looking. Um, I, I've heard rumor also that it was also the best selling in Japan because, uh, because it was, well, not only Japan only, but it, it was, I mean, of the three, I, I believe, and I might need to be back checked on this, but it was the, the best selling of, of all of the consoles, uh, variants. Um, I, but, you know, uh, I yeah, I've never that. seen one. So what I know about the, um, the Sanyos were, they were. They were the exclusively released ones in Japan. They actually have the same controllers, I think, as the Panasonics. Let me see. I think you might be right, actually. At least the same shape. Yeah, well, it, I believe it says Sanyo on the front, but it's the same, like... It's the same. They, they didn't go with the uh, with the Gold Star uh, yeah, the... setup. Nobody liked that one, except me. <laughs> My sister liked it. She wouldn't because she used it during our uh, podcast we did on on our other show. You know what? Um, oddly enough, the the photo that I'm looking at right now, the controller is branded Panasonic. Really? Yeah. I wonder if that's just a, a mistake on the photo. I maybe. So I did just do a little research. Panasonic does actually own Sanyo now, but they didn't uh, purchase the company until 2009. 
Hmm. So hard to say if even the uh, <laughs> the 3DO somehow led to that partnership that led to the acquisition. Who knows? It's hard to say. I mean, I'd like to think so, but at the same time, that seems a little much. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I'm stretching big time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> time stretching. What What's funny about the Sanyo model, though, is it's like, it's the one that I know the littlest about. Even though, from what I've heard, it it's pretty much identical to the Panasonic. Yeah. Like, in terms of design. Uh, like the like the Gold Star, it doesn't have the asteroid field intro because I actually looked up online what its intro was, and it's it's very similar to the Gold Star. It just shows the Sanyo logo, and then it mm-hmm. pops up with the 3D logo. Oh, okay. That's uh, interesting. That might be one I have to acquire when uh, someday I visit Japan. I'd like to because the the cool thing about 3DOs are they are they're region free. Like there's no like region locking in them. Yes. So like you could lo- theoretically buy one, just get like a converter for the plug. Mm-hmm. And then just use it because I don't see because yeah. I think uh, we yeah because it's NSTC so it wouldn't really have an issue over here. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, I, I know you mentioned in the last episode uh, about the uh, discs weren't even locked either. And nah, yeah, like you could just burn. You could just burn. Uh, you could burn any game and just like play them. Yeah, that's uh, that's so crazy to think of a time where uh, even uh, the discs, the compact discs themselves, were not. Uh, there was no security, no, no anything from keeping them from, from, uh, but then again, there was also no technology back then to, that was readily available to, to rip a CD. So yeah, they didn't, it, it was kind of a thing like they didn't really think of, like, I think the only company really thinking about that at the time was Nintendo because Nintendo has always been like afraid of CDs for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to make really little CDs with the GameCube, which is another one I love. But... Yeah. Um, so uh, also, so the other one that was, I guess, uh, a little less uh, less widely known as as well was the uh, the 3DO blaster. So the uh, oh the creative blaster. attachment, yeah, the creative blaster. Um, that's another one I would love to get my uh, my hands on as well. And I have no idea how I would hook it up or connect so it. So I I've seen one video of someone getting it to work. It is like the weird. So apparently, these things are really hard to find nowadays. Like, yeah, there's like, there's only a small amount of them. Like, a lot of them are in Germany for whatever reason. But um, hmm. what the? So I guess like as a brief explanation, the Creative Blaster was essentially, it was the 3DO's hardware on a PC, PCI board hmm. that you would plug into the side of like a Windows ninety five or maybe maybe it was even DOS still at that point, like a DOS computer. And you needed a creative CD drive for it to work. But essentially, you basically, you had a 3DO inside your PC. And then you could play 3DO games on your PC. But it wasn't like it was running a program. It was literally just a 3DO running inside your PC. And you could actually, like, overlay other... Like, you could... I've seen videos of, like... You can play, like, Solitaire over 3DO games in the background. Because of how... Because it's essentially a capture card. Yeah. The way it was designed. And that's a really cool idea, but at the same time, uh, Josh had brought this up. It feels like it would be really counterintuitive at the same time, because yeah. it kind of cancels out the whole point of owning a console at that point. Well, yeah, and, and who's doing that now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I just, I just love like the forward-thinking, and I think this is why it's one of my favorite consoles of all time, or 
or even just console concepts of all time is that it was so ahead of its time. It's a lot of things that it came up with are standard nowadays or are still being attempted to become standard these days. No, which is interesting. So, so the only one that I also want to discuss just briefly, um, if we have time is the 3DO Robo. Okay. So the 3DO Robo, I, um, another one that's also not, not so widely known, but, uh, basically it was an FC one, but it was, it was a CD changer. So I I know. Yes. Yeah. So there were five different CDs that you could stick in this or five different games at a time. Um, and, uh, it was only released in Japan and, uh, it was primarily used in the, uh, in the love hotels. Oh, okay. That's funny. Yeah. Actually. yeah. So it's, it's also very, it, it's actually, it's considered the rarest of, of the production 3DO units, uh, just a touch rarer than the, uh, than the creative blaster. But, uh, there's, it seems like there were more actually made. They just didn't quite make it. But yeah, these were these were a staple in the Love Hotel because, as we know, 3DO was also known for putting uh, less than family friendly content on their yes. uh, on their games. So you and know. especially in Japan, because Japan, Japan, I love Japan, but they don't have standards like we do in America. And a lot of the times, the console manufacturers do have standards. So a lot of times they'll dump these less than desirable games on the system least that's least desirable, yeah. which is how where the 3DO ended up, which is actually arguably a lot of the ways, maybe one of the reasons why the Sanyo was so popular. Yeah, absolutely. Possibly. Because I, I mentioned it, the, uh, the Xbox 360 was known for this in Japan as well. Oh, that I didn't know that. Because no one cared about it in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, definitely. Uh, um, so the secondary use also was for um, karaoke bars, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe 3DO had a had a karaoke on demand uh, variant as well. They did. Uh, being karaoke was is a, a very big part of uh, Japanese culture as well. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's just interesting to you know, as we as I still consider this more of a uh, a gaming console, it was absolutely a multiplayer, uh, a full full media experience, which was was really neat. And uh, again, just just way ahead of its time. Now, uh, one version that we actually neglected to talk about that we actually probably should step back and talk about is um, the FC-10. Oh, yes, the FC-10. You're right. We, we, we can't we kinda, the FC-10. We kind of glazed over because it's, it's weird because the FC-10 is actually, I think, the most common 3DO you'll find out and about. Mm-hmm. But it's also like the one that no one really talks about. No. Which is interesting because oh. it's actually superior to the FC ten one and the Gold Star in a lot of ways. Exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, I mean, you didn't have uh, you didn't have disc tray tray failures. The the uh, the laser was was uh, not as prone to failure for whatever reason. Uh, it just yeah it was it was a superior system and. So and for I a time when when I was looking for them when I was when I was trying to co- uh, collect, uh, it was also the most expensive because um, it came out it, a lot later and there was less made, I believe. Uh, yeah, I think it was it was just about before they died. I, I feel like it was kind of the hail mary pass that they were that uh, Panasonic was trying to trying to throw up before uh, before its uh, ultimate demise. If I'm not mistaken, and I'll have to fact check myself again, but. Uh, 
I think it was 96 that it came out. It was late. And it, I know it was significantly cheaper. Like it was actually, honestly, it was what the 3DO should have been to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, some interesting things about the FC10, though. Um, as we said, it's a top loader now. So it actually looks the most like a video game console out of all of them. Mm-hmm. It also has a removable power cord. I think the power supply was still built in, though. It was just a standard, like uh, kind of like a PlayStation or Saturn cord. Yeah, it was. It just had kind of that uh, the the input part. You just plug it into the to the oh, back there. Yep, exactly. Um, I it still had the red, white, and yellows. I think the S video may have been removed. I'm not sure on that. I'd have, I'd have to look at one. Ooh, good question. If it was, then I don't want it anymore. But no, it's... and then its other biggest addition and probably most significant, it actually had a built-in memory manager. There you go. Yep. It was yep. the only 3DO to have one of these, which is yeah, still pretty interesting. Well, it's good they they kind of they they realized that and, and made it happen. Um, just looking at pictures of it right now and and just formulating my own opinion on why they didn't bring out this they, they didn't bring this out first is because it looks like a Sega CD. It does. It or at it least kinda, It looks like kind of a cross between a Sega CD and a the Amiga CD32 thing. Ooh, you went deep with the Amiga. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yes. that, that's another fascinating thing from that period of time. Oh, yeah. Um, so actually, before we talk, because I, I do want to briefly touch about the touch on the M2, uh, yeah. I think we should talk about the uh, quote-unquote canceled or prototype 3DOs that never released. Yeah, so... You know, we got to think about the time the 3DO was was coming up. It was um, uh, I'll steal this from a from another show, um, and I can't remember who who said it, but it was kind of it was kind of the Me Too era of video games, and not to be confused with with the the current social issues, but um, it was it was the time where everybody was getting in on the video game industry yes. because they saw that it, it was definitely uh, it was definitely lucrative. Uh, two of those being. Um, AT&T and Samsung yes. and, um, and, and still very, very, uh, very interesting that the, the designs of both of those consoles were, were pretty similar in, in, into like the, uh, you know, somewhere between the gold star and the Sanyo, but uh, it, it's just interesting how those didn't, didn't happen. And, and I'm not sure why other than maybe just somebody had some good business sense and said, Hey, maybe we, we sit this one out. So what's interesting about the Samsung there's not a lot of information on it. There is one prototype in existence that does function, apparently. Um, the controller that comes with it, it looks... I think I swear it's probably just a Panasonic controller. Um, what's interesting about it, though, was it was supposedly... It had an uh, MPEG decoder built into it. And it apparently also had native VCD playback, which what would have been significant at the time not sure what that would mean to anybody nowadays so i've heard that vcds are still kind of a thing uh in japan at least um i don't know if that's true or not somebody might have to have to comment in and and tell us if this is a a thing or not but i've i've kind of heard through through a couple of different uh youtube videos and, and and such that uh that it is kind of still a thing i don't know if that's like a you know it's like a thing as Vinyl records are still a thing, or you know, old compact discs. But um, 
yeah, it, it's it's kind of it's kind of neat. The, what, the early days of sort of blue yeah. blue ray, well, not blue ray or uh, DVD. Yeah, what what's funny looking at the uh, the prototype though is it is the most VCR looking at of all of these. Looks so nothing like a game console. Like if their controller wasn't there, I'd literally think it's just some generic off-the-shelf, whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's actually really cool looking though. At the same time, like it, it's interesting. I, I kind of wish it existed, but at the same time, it would have probably been a massive waste of money. <laughs> do you, Do you know where it is? Or since there's only only one out there, is it in some like video game historical? So I find all of these off. There's a website. It's like the 3DO archive. Um, it doesn't really say. I assume it's probably at Samsung HQ or something. Mm -hmm. Or maybe some private collector owns it. All we know is that it existed, but the plug was pulled after 3DO's stock dropped in 95. Mm, okay. Because then after that, then we get the AT&T model. And this one is also kind of interesting. Because AT&T actually made the... Um, the GPU for the system. So that's kind of how their involvement uh, began. And they planned to release their own system, but obviously it never came out. The reason why theirs didn't come out, though, is a little interesting. Okay. Apparently the system's body lines are actually almost a perfect match to the FC1. But apparently, like, there was, like, some sort of, like, issues with it, and it led to, like, they had to scrap something despite like there being like i don't know it's weird it had something to do with like it being like somewhat of a clone of the fc1 in a lot of ways huh. so maybe they were worried about the kind of the negative connotation that they had built with the fc1 and, and knowing that this 3do was kind of dying maybe they wanted they said hey i don't think that uh i don't think maybe. that design's gonna work out i don't know <laughs> again i'm just speculating and What's funny though is they, they claim they claim the body lines are like the same, but if you look at the actual pictures of it, if anything, it actually kind of reminds me of this is very obscure, but the Apple Bandai Pippin. Ooh, gosh. if anyone remembers that thing. Oh my goodness, you you're taking it back. I I love this. I love this show. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I could see that. I'm looking at a picture of it right now. It looks uh very similar. Now, I don't know if this one actually functioned because it doesn't really say. But at the same time, I'm assuming this prototype exists somewhere as well. I hope these still exist because it would be a real shame if they didn't. The AT&T variant? Hmm. I don't know. I'm going to have to just do a, a who has it Google. <laughs> Know, maybe maybe it's another one that resides somewhere in the manufacturer's uh it's kind of like that um that sega, that sega neptune that exists the like the one neptune yeah well and then i think there's a a couple of uh nintendo playstations out there too mm. yeah uh, the uh, youtuber uh, john hancock he has one. well he john hancock that's it yes he had one and he was trying to get it to work I'm not sure if he actually did though. Yeah, I, I love those. I mean, and, and it's funny. I'll I'll watch those videos. Like I, I've watched them, and I watch them again and again just because I love hearing it over and over again. Yeah, it's so it's so yeah. fascinating. Like all that stuff. It really is. It really is. Hmm. Now I guess like the um 
one the last 3do that did exist was well did it didn't exist but it was a proven concept was the toshiba 3do and us west tv interactive tv the that's toshiba. a mouthful yes toshiba 3do so supposedly it was a portable 3do that would work in vehicles like on the vehicle tvs Uh, it apparently didn't get very far in development, and there's no actual images of it. But it does appear that it had, like, this weird, like, interface where you'd, like, kind of, like, scroll around different, like, buildings to find different, like, menus and stuff. Mm -hmm. it, it looks like some sort yeah. of education. It looks like an educational tool, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 could, see, I could see this in the back of, like, a Toyota Century carrying some, you know, big wig executive around uh, Tokyo. I could definitely see that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's kind of also kind of predating it, uh, like, you know, kind of what we think of as modern day tablets. And not that it, mm -hmm. it led to that, but it's, it's again, just a, a testament to, to it being ahead of its time. You know, I think uh, on, on top of the non-family friendly stuff that 3DO put out, there is also a lot of educational content. And uh Plus. And software, which which you could probably talk about in another episode, but um, I remember even just playing putt putt and, and putting my my uh, little brother in front of that because he was much younger than me and he loved that game. And I was, uh, you know, I was I, thought it was I played those games growing up as a child, and um, <laughs> it was always funny to me that I didn't know that they were because they were I played them on PC obviously back in the day. There was just something funny learning like wow these came out on a console of all things. Yeah, I mean, it looked good, too. I mean, the animation was solid. I mean, it... I, I will say, like, the 3DO probably had the best-looking full-motion video out of any console. Uh, it, until until PlayStation, um, and that's, like I said, that's that's when I shed a tear is when I saw yeah. uh, one of the cutscenes for Rebel Assault, and I was like, oh, man, this looks so much sharper. And, like, I don't want to go through all of this again and buy a whole new system, but, yeah, for, for the time, gosh, it, there was nothing better. There was nothing better out there. Now, I guess before, just before we wrap it up, I did, I'm probably going to touch on it more in a future episode, but I would like to just touch on the, the M2 real quick. Okay. So, so the, the future of, of uh, 3DO that didn't happen. Sort of. Sort, sort of. of. Um, so it, this console has the most confusing name because some people call it the 3DO M2. Others call it the Panasonic M2 because 3DO eventually sold the rights to its hardware directly to Panasonic, which actually pissed off Goldstar and Sanyo, I believe I read, because it basically took away any sort of like rights they had to possibly to make 3DO stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, yeah, for sure. I could see that. I could see so, that driving a wedge in the relationship. Yeah. So what's funny about the M2 is there are like prototypes of what it was supposed to look like. And honestly, it looks more like a video game console than, I guess, like the original 3DO looked. But at the same time, it looks very, it looks like a dev kit, to be honest. And I'm not sure if it is or isn't. You know, with the M2, I'm, 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 I, it, that's a very confusing thing for me. Um, I often wonder if that, that dev kit look of it was, was intentional. Um, because we do see that it was used for arcade games. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if that was 
if that was on purpose, I guess. I, I don't know. What I, I find, find oh, sorry. It, there's so much, there's so many, there's so many good ideas baked into this M2. And this is where, where, uh, where I start to, to, to drop off in my knowledge of, of all of it. But, um, I just I don't see how they could have in any any stretch of their imagination thought that this was going to be a thing that happened based on how badly the business was doing. Mm -hmm. So I would like to point out one thing that I find me uh, interesting is uh, if you look at the M2 the prototype, I guess you could say, I notice it has two controller ports. Which is interesting considering the whole gimmick of the 3DO was the one controller port. You know, the 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 gimmick, the gimmick of the of the single 3DO controller port, I I feel was, and it, it's terrible to say because I don't think there are really any cost cutting measures done for the system. But I, I on top of it being a gimmick, I feel like it was kind of a cost cutting measure. Uh, I think. To, uh, to only have one controller yeah. port. I think me and Josh had like kind of like agreed that the whole I I think it, the it was more of like it had to do more with the uh, the whole video game standard aspect where they wanted all the systems to be standard like in uniform. Yeah, in a sense. Yeah, because the M2 looks more like a video game console than a, a entertainment center in a lot of ways. It it, it gives me PlayStation vibes for sure. It does. Um, Actually, I got like Saturn vibes from it more than anything. Saturn, yeah, yeah. The the square ones definitely uh, Saturn. There's there's a few different uh, pictures of it, but yeah, definitely Saturn. Now, that, um, it kind of did exist in a sense. Like it did. It wasn't like a complete. Like it uh, never you uh, never materialized because it was eventually used in like a lot of Konami arcade cabinets. Mm-hmm. But I believe it actually ran off like a compact disc, like the actual cabinets did, and they were prone to burning out from what I've read. Well, yeah, I mean, that would, that would make sense. I mean, you only get so much life out of laser arcade cabinets running 24 hours at yeah. all. I mean, as long as the office hours are business hours. Um, yeah, I've so. seen some I've seen some footage of like the M2 games running. And it's very hard to judge graphically where exactly that was, especially compared to the PlayStation and Saturn at the time. But it looked at least on par with early PlayStation and definitely on par with Saturn, I guess you could say. Yeah, and, and I haven't seen a lot of those uh, a lot of those games running. Um, so yeah, I'd have to look at those. But uh, I mean, it had it had better be on on. Uh, par with the with at least that generation um, yeah and i think it would be i mean as as awesome as everything on 3do looked for the time i i can only imagine it would have been great it would have been awesome to see this thing succeed and, and kind of go on to to uh be a player in the console wars that they you know today mm. uh, but uh it's honestly kind of a shame in that reality <laughs> it, it really had everything it needed to be successful and they just one one key mistake right at the beginning basically killed any chance it had. And that yeah. was just that $700 price tag. They just could never recover from that. Nope. No, they couldn't. It's a shame because it, honestly, I feel like 3D... I don't think the whole idea behind 3DO, like the, the video game standard would have succeeded. But I feel like the company could have succeeded. I mean, 
they did make it till 2003, the company itself. Yeah. I mean, they, they were horribly mismanaged by then, but they, I, I think the system could have lasted. It just, it was unfortunate. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, it, it's just such a sad story. Like I said, I, I, I feel like it's, it's probably one of the most tragic stories in, in gaming as far as I'm concerned, just cause the potential was there. Everything was there. It just, it just didn't happen. Mm. And then following the, the story of the company itself after that gets even, that gets even more tragic. The more you look into it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be that depressed and I don't, <laughs> I want to, I want to save the story about the, I want to save like the 3D companies post console story for later anyways. But um, I think we've basically covered uh, just about everything about the system itself. Um, do you have any uh, finding final closing remarks or no, I, I just want to thank you so much for having me on the show. I, I love talking about this and I feel like I learned more from you than, than, uh, than I knew. And I, I really appreciate that. So thank you. Uh, I hope, uh, I hope this, uh, podcast sees, uh, many, many more episodes and just talking to you today. It just feels like there's so much to talk about. I mean, you really, you've really got a, a good, uh, a good runway of, of content to go over from, you know, different, different software, different games, different types of games. I mean, the, the 3DO is just so rich with, with history, uh, with content. And, and um, I, I look forward to, to the, uh, to the next episodes and I hope uh, everybody listening enjoys it too. And, and uh, subscribes to the show and, and uh, just, uh, just wishing you all the luck on this. And I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Thanks. Now, do you want to like uh, plug your stuff real quick again or? Yeah, so I uh, so I stream as a hobby. So I'm on uh, Twitch.tv/DesertLevelGaming. Uh, you can also find some of my past podcast episodes on any of the podcast, uh, you know, whichever uh, podcast platform you like the best at Gaming in the Desert. Um, you know, I think uh, I think you've inspired me to uh, to maybe get back on that and start doing it again uh, more frequently. So. Yeah, thank you so much again for having me on. I really appreciate yeah, no it. It was, it was a blast talking to you. No, it was great. I, it was honestly just great having someone who actually played the system like back in the day and like actually like could give me insight because I learned a bunch too today. And that was honestly, that's what I wanted with this show. And, and it was just, it was great. Thank you again. All right. So I'm going to pledge then. So the next, the next games I'm going to stream will be, uh, will be 3DO games. So nice. if you catch, if you catch me on, I will be doing uh I will be doing some uh, shock. I've been playing a lot of Shockwave lately. Nice. And I don't know why, other than I've been just kind of not comparing it, but kind of comparing it with with Star Fox. And I like it more just because I love the the little uh, the little video cutscenes while you're while you're going to town. Your captain's yelling at you. Your crew's yelling at you. Maybe it's because I just watched some Top Gun too, and I feel like I'm in the danger zone with that. So yeah, I'll I will definitely uh, be streaming some 3DO more regularly. Nice. And I'll, I'll add the links and stuff, everything into the description for the uh, episode. Okay. All right. And once again, guys, yeah. thanks. Yep. Once again, guys, thanks for joining me on the 3DO experience. Uh, 3DO experience can be found on all your major podcasting platforms, and we will see you all next time. If you're not playing on a 3DO system, what are you playing with?